The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. This Week in China's History November 12th 1941. Lo Jialing, a.k.a. Liza Hardoon, and the height of global Shanghai. Written by James Carter. Published in China, Read for you by John D. Van Fleet. 20,000 people showed up to pay their respects, four times the number of official mourners who had been invited. Cars lined Bubbling Well Road for blocks, waiting to enter the Hardoon Gardens, carrying a cross-section of Shanghai society. Armed security guards and police kept order. Once inside, loudspeakers directed people to their assigned places. A necessity in a 30-acre estate fitted, somehow, into the sprawl of the city. Eventually, led by dozens of Buddhist monks, and accompanied by three bands, the remains of Lo Jialing, a.k.a. Liza Hardoon, were entombed along the Hebrew-inscribed marker of her husband. Shanghai has been called lots of names. In just the years since Britain claimed it as a treaty port in 1842, it's been described as Paris of the East and various Blank of the Orient, Pearl, Queen, Whore. Japanese novelist Shofu Muramatsu wrote about it as the Demon City, though in Chinese it's translated as Magic City. Some suggest this one should stick. But one of the most appropriate I have found is the title of Jeffrey Wasserstrom's 2009 book, Global Shanghai. Doesn't have the same ring as Pearl of the Orient, I suppose, but an appellation that could not be more appropriate. One of the frustrations and joys of writing about Shanghai is trying to identify it. It's Chinese, but unlike any other Chinese city, with strands of Japan, Britain, America, and a dozen other places woven into its fabric. For This Week in China's History, we look back to a moment that was quintessentially Shanghai and singularly global the funeral of Lo Jialing, half Chinese, half French, raised a Buddhist, married in a Jewish wedding, and the wealthiest woman in Asia. Her funeral on November 12, 1941, one of the reasons I focused on that day in Champions Day, was a rare intersection of worlds in Shanghai, one worth describing and understanding. I've drawn on my own research for that book, which included important sources like Maisie Meyer's edited collection, Shanghai's Baghdadi Jews, a collection of biographical reflections, and From the Rivers of Babylon to the Huangpu, among other published sources in English. Lo Jialing exemplified global Shanghai 
as few others. She was born in Shanghai in 1864, in the midst of the Taiping War that not only tore China apart and threatened to topple its ruling Qing dynasty, but in many ways made Shanghai what it would become. Unable to rely on protection from the Qing government, foreigners in Shanghai took upon themselves many of the functions of government and created a colony in all but name. As Shanghai became a refuge and then grew prosperous, it attracted people from across China and around the world. Both Lo's Chinese mother and French father were part of the wave of immigrants who flowed into Shanghai after the Opium War. Lo's mother, Shen Yi, arrived from Fujian and worked as a tailor and seamstress in Shanghai's French concession. Among her customers was a Frenchman named Isaac Ruse. We don't know exactly when the couple met, but their daughter, named Lo Jialing in Chinese and Liza Ruse in French, was born in 1864. Her father was rarely part of her life, and her mother died when she was only six, leaving her with her mother's family in the district of Pudong. She spoke Shanghainese as her native language, learning English only after her marriage, and Mandarin not until she was in her fifties. Through her teens, Lo Jialing's biography matched hundreds, maybe many more, of children born in Shanghai at the time. There was nothing in her early years that suggested her eventual funeral would attract tens of thousands of people and be reported in newspapers across the world. Her move towards celebrity began when she met Silas Aaron Hardoon in one of the homes where she worked during the 1870s and 1880s. The Hardoons are one of the prominent families the even more famous Sassoons are another, that highlight the Jewish thread in Shanghai's fabric that was neither Chinese nor fully accepted among many Shanghai foreigners. The Hardun, then spelled Hadun, family arrived from Baghdad via Bombay during the boom of the 1850s. Silas Aaron Hardun was six years old. When he met Lo, Hardoon was working as a manager for David Sassoon's company and buying real estate both for Sassoon and, it seems, for himself. Relationships between Chinese women and non-Chinese men were not uncommon. They married in 1886 in both Jewish and Chinese ceremonies. Hardoon took an interest in Lo's Buddhism and those connections brought him into contact with Chinese business networks that were inaccessible to many foreigners. By the 1890s, Hardoon was one of the wealthiest men in Shanghai, with an office on the Bund and the beginnings of an elaborate estate. Part of the Hardoon's fortune, immense even by Shanghai standards, as much as 800 million in today's dollars when he died, derived from the, then-legal, opium trade. The Hardoons defied many of their peers' prejudices. Some of their supported projects were Jewish, including financing the construction of the Beit Aharon Synagogue, which was Shanghai's largest until it was demolished in the 1980s. Others were Buddhist, a complete edition of the Buddhist scriptures 
as well as renovations to the Jing'an Temple on Bubbling Well Road. Still others were secular, like paving Nanking Road, supposedly in exchange for a seat on the Shanghai Municipal Council, to which Hardun was elected in 1900, the payment being necessary to justify a Jewish member on the settlement's governing body. The Hardun household was a rare melding of cultures, even by Shanghai's cosmopolitan standards. Silas Hardun observed Jewish holidays and attended synagogue regularly, while the European Hardun children celebrated Christian as well as Chinese holidays. The Hardun Gardens, where their funerals would be held decades later, were named Ai Li, in honor of Liza, Ai meaning love, and Li the first character of Liza's given name. They were a fantastic landscape, designed by a Buddhist monk, with complementary Jewish and Buddhist elements inside the home. Pagodas and a temple, an artificial stream, Chinese theater, pavilions, and scenic spots for meditation filled the garden's nearly 30 acres. The rare mingling of cultures challenged attempts to categorize the Hardoons. Did Liza Hardoon become Jewish? Did Silas Hardoon embrace Buddhism? These questions mattered, not only because the couple were cultural curiosities in Shanghai's multicultural yet segregated society, but because great fortunes depended on the answers. When Silas Hardoon died in 1931, he left his entire fortune to Liza, and the will was immediately challenged on religious and national grounds. But when the court found in favor of Liza Hardoon, she instantly became one of the wealthiest women in the world and one of the richest people in Shanghai, regardless of gender. Liza lived for a decade after Silas passed, in failing health and increasing reclusiveness. But she remained an institution in Shanghai, so when it came time for her funeral, delayed more than a month by legal and religious wrangling, it was an event. As I described it in Champion's Day, quote, Even for Shanghai, this was a spectacle. Three bands played funeral music as part of the procession. Thirty-two pallbearers carried the ornate casket, draped with red silk, that was so heavy that despite the large number of bearers, they had to stop frequently for rest. Spectators lined the entire length of the procession. Sixty photographers, including newsreels, recorded the event leading the procession beneath a course of ceremonial gates, decorated with lanterns. Across the gardens were the Hardoon's numerous adopted children, each accompanied by a servant guarded by armed police. When the procession finally reached the grave, mourners lowered the casket by ropes, while an orange-robed priest concluded the service by making sure the body was oriented on a north-south axis carved granite slabs, quarried in Sujo, were placed atop the grave alongside offerings of gold and silver, as the ceremony concluded. End quote. One of the key tensions in Champion's Day is that the world of Shanghai was about to tumble over a cliff, 
The Japanese occupied the city center just three weeks later. The impact was felt even at the Hardoon estate. A fire raced through the gardens in 1943, and eventually the graves of Liza and Silas were relocated to the outskirts of the city. The former Hardoon estate was turned into the Sino-Soviet Friendship Palace, which still stands as the Shanghai Exhibition Center. Shanghai today, pandemic notwithstanding, is still an international city, but never was there a better encapsulation of global Shanghai than the funeral of Liza Hardoon.